All right, welcome to the FF Shrinks Podcast. We are your hosts, Nick Morrow and John Rampersad. You can hit us up on Twitter at Nick FF Shrinks and at John FF Shrinks. Today we got a great show, so let's get this therapy session started. Bengals, 34. Ravens, 23. Geez, I can say I did not expect that kind of outcome whatsoever in that game, but this is why you love football. This is why you love football. After the Ravens' dominant performance against the Bills the previous week and the Bengals being able to squeak by the Colts, we figured that the Bengals' offense would definitely be better this year, especially in terms of fantasy, but it's just hard to have predicted them being able to put on that kind of show this past Thursday night. So let's go ahead and take a look at some of the notes and highlights of the game. The first thing that comes to mind is Joe Flacco. 32 of 55, 376, two touchdowns, two interceptions for a total of 21 fantasy points, depending on your format. I feel like the main takeaway from this is, despite how much I hate to admit it because I've never been a big Joe Flacco supporter, Joe Flacco may just end up becoming a really nice, streamable fantasy quarterback this year. Um, right now, his play is reminiscent of that 2012 season when he was able to have Torrey Smith, Anquan Bolden, a decent running game. Now with Michael Crabtree, John Brown, Willie Sneed, a continually revolving door at the tight end position, Joe Flacco has enough weapons and the motivation of Lamar Jackson behind him to actually be a serviceable fantasy quarterback. If the matchup is nice... I'm definitely seeing that Joe Flacco may be a really good streaming option, especially because the Ravens offense this year seems to be very pass heavy. I know like the first two games, it's hard to be able to get a 100% analysis because against the Bills, they were up by so much that it was really hard to see exactly what the game script was. But still, even while they are getting to that huge lead, they were mainly passing the ball. They were not relying on the running game too much. And against this past Thursday's game, they were able to get down early, so of course they had to rely more so on the pass. But even when they started getting caught up back in the game, when they could run the ball more, they were still mainly going through the air. So the Ravens are trying to establish more of a passing identity than more so that ground-and-pound running game that they've had in the past. Because this is going to be two straight games where I believe between Alex Collins and Buck Allen, you're probably looking at under 20 carries on the ground. So... Joe Flacco definitely seems to be the cog that the offense is really trying to run through. So transitioning into the ground game of it all, Alex Collins led the backfield with nine carries for 35 rushing yards, and he caught off like three catches for an additional 35 receiving yards. And this this has always been my problem with the Ravens. And when you're watching this game, it's all about the eye test. In fantasy football, sometimes you can't look at the stat sheet because you look at the stat sheet, you're like, oh, Alex Collins only had nine carries, 35 yards, 3.9 yards a carry. That's not impressive. But when you look at that man run, Alex Collins is a very talented runner. He runs with force. He can break tackles. It blows my mind why the Ravens do not just want to commit to this man full-time and give him 15-plus carries a game. Who knows? Like I said, it could just be the game script of it all, and hopefully down the line in the season, they will be able to see and recognize just how talented he is and stop relying on Joe Flacco so much and just get a powerful ground game going because he has the talent. He has the ability to succeed. Right now, the main thing holding him back is John Harbaugh not wanting to run the ball enough and giving him the touches, and Buck Allen being a more annoying kind of vulture than we originally anticipated. 
We all knew coming into the fantasy season that Buck Allen would definitely vulture some touchdowns, get into the receiving game. But this, but the amount of carries he's getting in contrast to Alex Collins is just ridiculous. Alex Collins has nine and Buck Allen has six. That's not giving either one of them a chance to even get it really going on the ground. And Alex Collins is by far the superior back. So as of right now, I more, feel more comfortable if he's like my RB2 and maybe a receiving receiver every team or maybe just like a flex option if you have more running backs. But it does not look like that so far he's going to turn out to be that top high-end RB2, maybe in a low-end RB1 production that we were hoping for a breakout season. It's only two games, so you can easily turn it around, but it's mainly just the game script so far that's really worrying me. Continuing you know, on to the receiving side for the Ravens, John Brown, who is one of our favorite sleeper picks this year, led the team with four catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Hey, this is one of those things where if you went back and looked at the Cardinals the last few years, John Brown, when he was on the Cardinals, was a good player. And there's time and time again throughout the years where we thought that he'd be an excellent sleeper candidate or someone that's going to like bust out. It's just between the whole sickle cell trait that he's had to deal with throughout his career, that's really had prohibited, um, did not permit him to actually excel. Now that he's in the Ravens' offense, I'm trying to say he's going to be more akin to 2012, that Torrey Smith role. Where Torrey Smith ended up probably with like 1,000-plus yards, a couple touchdowns, but not only is he being the deep threat, he is getting red zone targets. So if he's on waivers in your league, John Brown deserves a spot on your bench. And even as a decent flex option, especially if you're in PPR or half-point PPR leads, following after John Brown, we have Michael Crabtree, five catches for 56 yards. Um, that's about the kind of Crabtree game I think we're going to be getting for the year. Um, he's not going to just follow the Ravens offense works. He's not going to be a high volume, um, catch receiver where he's going to be getting nine to 10 catches for hundred yards. He's mainly their possession guy. And when they get into the red zone, he is definitely a red zone threat because they even their first like couple series when they did get down to like the three, five yard line, Crabtree did get a couple fades in there, which is good. You always want to see those kind of red zone looks coming his way, especially when he becomes Joe Flacco's only read. So continuing to roll him out as a flex play with confidence. You just have to keep in mind that you are going to have games like this where he's only going to top you off like 50 yards or something around that line. And then, yeah, following up with that, once again, Alex Collins, three catches for 55 yards. It's one of those things, again, I don't understand why Buck Allen is as involved in the receiving game he is. He had five catches for 36 yards, but when it comes to a running back, yes, it is nice to have, like, great hands. But as you can see, Alex Collins doesn't have the best hands. As long as you can just give a nice little dump-off pass, let him work in space, plays can happen. So the best thing is hopefully after this week's performance, they try to get Alex Collins more involved in the receiving game. I doubt it. I think this year, this week was just one of those rare exceptions, though. Now, switching things over to the Bengals side, holy Andy Dalton. The Red Rifle is back, guys, and he came out to ball with pretty much four touchdowns in the first half. Well, four touchdowns for the whole entire game. Andy Dalton ended up 24 of 42, 265, and four scores. And three of those went to A.J. Green, which we'll get into that in a second. But in a similar context of Andy Dalton, coming into this year, I thought he was going to be a very good streaming option. And he typically has been, especially with his offense looking like it's turning the corner. If he continues this up, Andy Dalton may just be able to be someone that you can roll out every week as long as it's not a terrible matchup. Because the Ravens' defense is not a joke, but they were able to game plan and took advantage of them. They can score and convert in the red zone at a very consistent rate. So... Feel good about Andy Dalton for now. Um, still watch the matchup, so don't try to think he can overcome everything. So if he plays like a Jacksonville, I wouldn't feel comfortable playing Andy Dalton. 
But especially if he has softer matchups, you can definitely roll him out there with confidence. In the rushing game, thank God that they are the opposite of the Ravens and they just realized the talent they have and gave Joe Mixon 21 carries for 84 yards. Yes, he definitely gave us a scare um, with that with him being banged up a little bit with the knee, and we saw a lot of Gio Bernard in there. So I think that is a reminder for any kind of Joe Mixon owners. You probably do definitely need to get Gio as a handcuff because if Joe Mixon goes down, Gio's the next guy on the board. He'll, they'll get the carries. He'll be involved in the receiving game. And even though he was involved in the receiving game more so this week than he was the previous week, there is still no nothing to worry about. Joe Mixon's the guy. He's getting all the carries that you need. He even had a couple red zone carries. Nothing. He was able to convert into touchdowns. But we can roll out Joe Mixon with confidence, especially with the recent reports that Marvin Lewis says he wants to get him even more involved in the offense. Just the main thing, we just want to monitor that knee just to see if it's a recurring issue and just make sure that you have Geo as your handcuff. And to capitalize off on Andy Dalton and that ridiculous touchdown performance, A.J. Green. In the first half, this man had three catches for three touchdowns. That is just unheard of. And this is trying to help. Hopefully, this will silence a lot of the A.J. Green doubters out there. I know coming into the season, everyone was more so down on A.J. Green. They thought of him as being on more so the tail end of his career. He's getting close to 30. I think everyone just needs to remember that two years ago in fantasy, A.J. Green was on pace to be the number one wide receiver. Even last year when the Bengals had a historic, terrible offense, like it was historically bad for the Bengals' standards, even the standards for the NFL, A.J. Green still finished as a number as a number one wide receiver, the bottom end of a number one wide receiver, so you definitely get, didn't get as much as your draft capital return back, but he was still better than the majority of the receivers in fantasy. And so that's what I've always loved about A.J. Green. If you see his floor is still a, like the last wide receiver one, his ceiling could be the number one guy. So everyone hopefully can understand that A.J. Green is still a touchdown machine. And he's going to probably end at this rate he's going. He may just end up leading the league in touchdowns at the receiving position. Definitely helps when you get off to a three-game touchdown lead. Outside of A.J. Green, the main thing also to keep note of is Tyler Boyd. Even though probably on the depth chart, it looks like that John Ross is the number one, the number two receiver upside A.J. Green. Tyler Bloyd working in the slot has proven that he is probably the next best target for Andy Dalton. I don't, I'm not saying that he's like worth a flex spot, but he definitely needs to be on your roster if you have space and you're just trying to look for a play. Because you could definitely see maybe some softer matchups. Tyler Boyd could get heavily involved in the game, especially with teams that want to go ahead and start trying to double team A.J. Green more down the line. On the tight end side, I was really happy to see um, Tyler Eichford get more so involved. It's one of those things where I don't think he should be on a team yet, but it's worth monitoring. We all remember like what a talent Tyler Eichford is. They're still using a revolving door at the tight end position, similar to the Ravens, with CJ Uzoma like getting like three catches for 45, Tyler Croft getting two catches in there for 11 yards, and Eichford just finishing out with two for 23. So. Just as the season goes along, keep an eye on Tyler Eichford. If you start seeing him getting more and more involved in the offense, if he's healthy, he still has all the talent in the world to be able to be a good solution for anyone who's lost like a recent tight end to injury, similar to like a Greg Olson kind of scenario. And sadly, probably the most disappointing aspect of the fantasy game last night was the Ravens' defense. I know a lot of times we don't put a lot of stock into defenses, but as you saw, for anyone who owned them week one, their performance against the Bills that probably really helps you win your fantasy game. And feeling confident you rolled them out this week against Andy Dalton and them having that god-awful performance could very possibly help you lose your fantasy game. So it's hard to say what was going on in the Ravens' defense, like which one is the real one. Um, 
Is it the one against the Bills where they were just dominating and their quarterback couldn't even get to 100 yards passing? Or is it one where Andy Dalton was just carving them up and they weren't able to get a single sack or an interception on him? I do believe it's somewhere in the middle, leaning more towards the Buffalo side. Uh, remember, division games are always rough. They're hard to predict, and any kind of crazy thing can happen just because of how well the two teams know each other. The Bengals came in with them with a plan, and they were able to get to convert a lot of red zone opportunities. And keep in mind, they scored 28 points like pretty much in the first half. After that, the defense buckled down, and they were to and only hold them to like one more score. So I still believe we should have confidence in the Ravens' defense and just say this is an aberration. But it's one of those things to keep an eye on that if performances like this continue against more high-powered offense, just to go ahead and start looking towards another defense to fill their spot. Now, following the game's outcome, on to possible fantasy strategies. First, for a lot of owners, after these two back-to-back games with Alex Collins, even though this past week he probably was able to get people around 10 fantasy points, Still in the running game, it was probably very disappointing for owners. I would be trying to buy low on Alex Collins. If you can try to package some kind of deal together where you're not giving that owner too many things of value, if you can get Alex Collins as your flex, he still has a lot of upside just in case he's going to start getting more carries because I doubt they'll just be able to keep giving him under 10 carries. Once he starts getting to that 15 range, then you can start seeing a lot more perform, like a lot more better games coming from him. And also keep in mind, even though Buck Allen is in the game, Alex Collins is not just kept out of the red zone. They Honestly, it's probably like a 50-50 split where Buck Allen will get goal line carries, Alex Collins will get goal line carries, and they'll probably end up with the same amount of touchdowns at the end of the year, but Alex Collins is still the superior talent. So if you can get him in like a low package deal for a trade, I would go ahead and do that in a heartbeat. As for the A.J. Green, I love A.J. Green. I think he's going to be able to keep up this productivity throughout the season. But remember, the good thing is he just had back-to-back huge fantasy games when it comes to receivers, they always tail off. If you can put together a package for A.J. Green and maybe like a smaller player in order to go up, maybe get like a DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham after they've had their like recent game without a touchdown, it's not going to be like a huge upgrade because I think A.J. Green was probably coming in this year as like my number five wide receiver. But if you can just slightly upgrade your team at that receiving position, Uh, That's always a good thing. It's one of those things where I still don't trust Andy Dalton 100% throughout the season. I like him this year, but he's going to eventually, he has to regress to some kind of those fun Andy Dalton ways. Or I could be wrong. Either way, it's not a bad thing to roll out with A.J. Green for the continued remainder of the season. But at the same time, if you could package him to upgrade in order to get another stud wide receiver or even package him like another player in order to get like a stud running back as well, I would go ahead and do that any day. All right, and that's going to wrap it up for this week's Thursday night review for the game. Uh, Continue to keep watching our podcast and check in the website, fantasyfootballshrinks.com, for some of our newest articles that we always have coming out. And then tune in Sunday night as we go ahead and do our review for some of the late action games, as well as Monday night to follow up for that second part. And we will see you guys on our next therapy session.